The following is a Thunderbolt West Media production. It seems like our governments have the spirit of Nero. I'm going to talk about that and much more. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I'll talk about anything from government corruption to chemtrails. Also, I feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving so I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studios, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show airs on global shortwave stations WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, at frequency 7.490, and also on WRMI, Radio Miami International, on frequency 5850. And you can tune in to Key Radio, 89.3 FM, in Osage Beach, Missouri. And this show is also available on demand on Spreaker, Anchor, Podpoint, Podpage, and Red Circle. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith and be sure to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I really appreciate it. Well, as I record this program, I'm in a room that's about 98 degrees and our heat index is 104. And if you hear a fan in the background, well, if I don't have a fan, I think I'm just going to sit here and melt. Such are the joys of living in an old farmhouse and not having air conditioning. The house never had air conditioning. It's not set up for it. And so several days a year, I have to pretty well suffer through the day and also through the night because it's not cooling down. I've waited till after sundown to record this and the fan is blowing just hot air. Now, if I could bottle that up and heat the house this winter with this air, then all would be good, but... Unfortunately, I just have to suffer through it. So I do apologize for any fan noise that might come through. Well, today's topic that I've chosen to base the show around is the spirit of Nero. We're living in the spirit of Nero right now. Now, those of you who don't know your ancient history, 
Nero was an ancient emperor of Rome. It was said that he was musical, liked to play music and also write songs. And the story is, is that he, that he purposely had Rome set on fire so he could write a song about it. That's how little he cared for his city and his people. He didn't care who got hurt or who died. He didn't care who lost their house or their business. Didn't care. Just a selfish elitist. And we are living in a time period where I do believe the spirit of Nero was alive and well. You can't tell me that the Biden crime family does not have the spirit of Nero, because they definitely do. They don't care what they tear down as long as it puts money in their pocket, or children in his groping range, where he can reach over and smell them. I mean, the guy is an absolute horrid creep. There's absolutely nothing redeeming about that man, and I doubt if there ever has been anything redeeming about him. And you look at all of our government officials, all of them think they're elitists, all of them think they're special, none of them think they're public servants, and that's all they are is public servants. They work for us, but no, they have the spirit of Nero. They don't care who they hurt, they don't care what they tear down, because they're going to build back better, you know. And there's a reason I'm talking about this spirit in Nero, because I'm going to morph it into survival very soon, because I'm going to talk about another person with the spirit of Nero, and that's, well, I shouldn't say one person, it looks like the whole government in Hawaii. They simply don't care about the people in Hawaii that died or lost everything in the fires. They don't care. And the stories that are coming out from survivors are horrendous. And if only 10% of the negative stories are true, if only 10% are true, then the entire government of Hawaii should resign. All of the people in emergency management in Hawaii should resign. If only 10% of what I'm hearing is true. But I'm hearing that the emergency water that they're taking to the survivors is making people sick. I don't know if it's full of bacteria or poisoned or what, but I'm hearing from multiple people that the groundwater, of course, is poisoned from the volcanic gases and things of the island. I think that's pretty well been confirmed. But I'm hearing about people that are getting deathly ill from the water that they're hauling these poor people. And also, not turning on the warning sirens and making sure the water pressure was inadequate. And you can just go right on down the list. And it's absolutely horrid. And then the governor has the audacity to talk about his plans for that land in the future. If you don't think this was an inside job that was done so they could destroy, so they could build back better, if you don't think that this is one of the things they're doing, then I think that you really need to look again at the situation. I smell a rat on every level. And just like Nero sat back and did nothing but write a song as his city burned and his people died, it seems that the people that are shysters and all sorts of horrible people are waiting to prey on the survivors of the fires, including the government, and then claiming they're helping the people with a whopping $700 apiece. And also, the schools were closed. 
on that day, and a lot of children apparently are missing and presumed burned to death. There is so much wrong in Hawaii. But it's not just Hawaii. Look at Canada. Canada is a tinderbox. I know part of it is they've had a warm summer and it's been dry. I understand that the conditions are right for fires, but not at the levels that they are at. It seems like that the fires are getting lots of help. And you see the people of Europe are starting to really suffer because of their inept governments that are sanctioning Russia. And it's becoming abundantly clear to me anyway that they are using Russia as a scapegoat so they can tear down their own country so they can quote-unquote build back better there as well. You can't tell me that these governments don't realize the sanctions are hurting their own people and their own business, their own economy, their own country. You can't tell me that they're so stupid they can't see that. And any country that would allow their citizens to suffer and lose their homes and their businesses and possibly freeze to death in the winter because they don't have fuel to heat their house, any government that is willing to do that is totally out of control and is not operating in the will of the people. And they definitely don't have the best interest of the people at heart. And so we have this spirit of build back better all over the world, and it all comes from Satan, it all comes from his minions of the World Economic Forum and all of the New World Order people and one-worlders. They're all satanic, evil, horrible people that care nothing about we the people. That's why I say that this whole world is operating in a spirit of Nero, at least all the people that consider themselves elite. And there's never been a time in history, and this was pointed out by a member of the European Parliament, there's never been a time in history where the tyrants and the ruling class elites that like to call themselves elites, there's never been a time in history where they've ever cared anything about the common person. And so why think that they care about us now? Of course they don't care about us. All we are are useless eaters and we're using their resources because after all, they're the important ones. They own the planet. We're just kind of here. We're here to be farmed. And I refuse to be farmed. I'm very, very tuned in to anything and any kind of entity at all that is trying to farm me. And I have a business that I buy chicken feed from. And every time I go in, they say, we need to get you in our program. We need to get you to sign up for our buyer's reward card. And I say, nope. And finally, one of the cashiers says, why won't you sign up? And I said, because you're wanting me to sign up so bad that you've been told by your corporate that you're supposed to sign everybody up. And I don't want to be on anyone's list for any reason. And I don't want anyone to mine my information. I don't want anyone to sell my information. I don't want anyone to know what I'm buying. It's none of their business that I'm buying chicken feed and how much I buy. It's nobody's business but mine. So, no, I will not join your buyer's club. And that cashier just stared at me just with this blank stare on their face like, what? Huh? That's kind of how people are brainwashed into thinking that everything is done for their benefit. And I have come to the conclusion, now call me cynical, but I've come to the conclusion that almost everything that's done on a corporate level or a government level is not done for your benefit. Maybe at local levels it is, but certainly not in state and federal levels. It's all about grabbing more power 
curtailing our rights, keeping us in the corral, so to speak, and making them filthy rich. That's what it's about. And so I really doubt that until Jesus comes back and the kingdom of God is established on earth, I really doubt that any of this is going to be remedied because we've had centuries of corruption. It's just got so bad now that they don't care that everyone knows they're corrupt. But getting back to the spirit of Nero and getting back to Hawaii specifically, if you live in New Jersey or North Dakota or Oregon or Texas or wherever you live, do you think your state government is going to do anything different than what the state government of Hawaii did for their people, which was make excuses, drag their feet, not live up to any promises, and in some cases not care enough to help at all? Well, I say welcome to the new normal. So if you're one of those that are sitting back, thinking that if things get really tough, certainly there's going to be entities in the government or private charities or church charities or something that's going to come to your rescue. Now, I haven't confirmed this, but I have no doubt that there is some truth to this because I've heard it from several people, is that there was a grassroots movement of citizens of Hawaii to help the people in the fires. And so there was lots of food and water and all sorts of things that were taken up privately to try to distribute among the survivors of the fires, and they were turned back by the state government. These people were not allowed to distribute food or water to people that needed food and water that weren't getting any food and water from anywhere else. But the government stood up and turned these people that were Good Samaritans, turned them back. And so let's say you live in a state that has some really large charities that are not part of the government or part of that system. Are they going to be turned back if your town gets hit by a tornado or a fire or flood or any other catastrophe? I think what we're seeing is kind of a dry run of just exactly what we can expect in a disaster. And I'm sorry to inform you that we can expect zero. That's not to say that maybe they won't come up and help us a little bit sometime down the road. But initially, when we really need to help, when it's life or death, situation is, you know, rubber meets the road, things have to happen now where people are going to get hurt or killed, they will not be there at that point. That's where your preparedness has to fill the gap because it's going to be up to you to save your family. It's going to be up to you to save yourself. I know I say that week in and week out, that it's up to you, but there's so many people that just seem to think that there's this man on the white horse that's going to come riding in and save him, and just, or they're going to call 911 and in 30 seconds the cops will be there or the ambulance will be there. It's not going to work that way. There are so many people that are going to call 911 during a catastrophe in your neighborhood that the entire system is going to go offline. It's going to be swamped. They're going to have way too many calls to even accept any calls. It's going to just crash the system. And so you calling 911 to tell them something they already know and they're already overwhelmed with and understaffed and not trained and don't have the 
wherewithal to do anything about it anyway? That's just wishful thinking on your part. I said this in a show about a year ago. I want to repeat it on this show. Any natural disaster that can happen in your town, let's say you live in Oklahoma, well, then you better be prepared for severe thunderstorms, large hail, and devastating tornadoes. And now, earthquakes. That's what you need to prepare for. Then everyone needs to prepare for fire and floods and things that can happen anywhere. And then if you're in upstate New York, of course, you have to prepare for lake effect snows and all sorts of hazardous weather in the winter that can keep you isolated for days, if not weeks, if it's bad enough and everything gets bogged down. And so depending on where you live, you really need to outfit yourself up really good for those emergencies. That will double as supplies for a man-made emergency like a world war or some other catastrophe, the banks failing. The news in the world is not good. It gets worse every day. As I record this show, I hear that Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner Group out of Russia, the private military company, that him and his second-in-command, along with a few other higher-ups in the Wagner group, were shot down out of the sky. And, of course, the media in the United States is saying that Putin shot it down, and the CIA and the government is saying that Putin did it. But that makes about as much sense as Russia blowing up their own dams and blowing up their own power plants. If Putin wanted to get rid of Prigozhin, he didn't have to do it that way. He simply could have arrested him and just made him disappear. He could have sent him up to Siberia and not martyred him. There are so many things that Putin would have done and not knocked him out of the sky. And so since our media, which is bought and paid for by Pfizer, and the rest of the government, and all of the world globalists and Satanists, if they say that Putin did it, then you could almost bet the farm that Putin did not do it. Because our mainstream media is nothing but propaganda and lies. I wouldn't trust them if they said that the sun was hot at this point. I just don't have any trust for any of the talking heads in the media whatsoever. Now, the New Truth Media, there are a few that I do not listen to that I don't like very well, but most of them, I think, their hearts are in the right place and they're watchmen on the wall and they're trying to inform you and me and the rest of the country of what's going on. And I'm going to use that 10% again. If 10% of what you hear on this show, on Bob Bierman's show, Truth to Ponder, on the Hal Turner show, on Alex Jones' show, InfoWars, uh, or Owen Troy, or anyone else, Pastor Butch Pa, Beth Ann, there's so many people in the New Truth Media. If only 10% of what we tell you is true as far as how things are falling apart, that 90% were misguided, not that we're lying to you, because I don't think anyone in the New Truth Media is overtly lying to you. None of us have an agenda other than to try to save our republic and to try to inform. But that doesn't mean that we're always correct. And I know we're a lot more than 10% correct, but if we're only 10% correct, this nation is in horrible trouble. 
Well, I think that we're probably closer to 95 to 98% correct because I listen to as many of the New Truth Media as I can. And while I don't walk in lockstep with any of them, I have to agree with the vast majority of the topics they cover and how they cover them and their conclusions. Because anyone that has a brain and is willing to use it can see that there's massive troubles worldwide that are made worse by the spirit of Nero and these politicians that think they're little tin gods. We really do have a problem, folks, worldwide. And there's no way these tyrants are ever going to relinquish their office, even if they're voted out legitimately. All they have to do is press a number, press a button or two and change the numbers. We're living in such a corrupt and evil and phony world. The only thing in this entire world that we can count on is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and Almighty God. That's the only thing we can count on. And that's one of the reasons why they took God out of the schools. That's one of the reasons they're taking God out of everyday society. They're mocking God and belittling God and canceling God because the Satanists know that anyone that's a true believer does have refuge. We have a place we can go, a place of strength, a place of tranquility, a place of honor. We have a place we can go, and they don't want us to have that place to go. And in any case, they're definitely trying to limit the amount of people that actually accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and understand the scheme of things as far as what the Bible lays out of events to come. They want everyone to be totally ignorant of that, and they want everyone to be hopeless. Fortunately, I'm full of hope, because I know that Jesus is coming back. I know the kingdom of God will be established on this earth. How do I know that? You have to say probably by revelation, because I know it to the marrow of my bones. There is absolutely nothing that anyone could say or do or any situation that could pop up that would change my mind that Jesus is coming back and the kingdom of God will be established on this earth. And so I really don't sweat what we're going through as much as it might sound like I'm sweating it because I know ultimately where my power is and where your power is. I just hope that you know where your power is. But I think that most of the listeners of this show are wide awake and they get the big picture. I don't have a whole lot of people that contact me that are in the dark. One or two will contact me now and again and ask me to explain a thing or two to them. And I explain it to the best of my ability. But you have to understand that what I'm talking about on this show and also when I guest host for Truth to Ponder, a lot of it is my speculation and my opinion. And I don't claim to be right all the time. But I do claim to be more right than wrong. Because almost everything that I've predicted has either come true or is coming true. I know that for years I've been sounding the alarm of chemtrails, and for years people have called me a conspiracy theorist and a kook and everything for believing in chemtrails. But now, as I talk to people in my business of putting up hay, I talk to the landowners and some of the people that are on the property, and I'm pretty bold. I tell everyone I have a radio show and what the content is and 
So they open up and tell me what they're feeling. And even the older people that have always been real skeptical of anything that's conspiracy-related, they're talking about the jets and the chemtrails and the poisoning of, of the animals. And I heard from my great friend, the crazy conspiracy theorist that lives in the woods, and by the way, thank you so much for the Victory Garden book. I will take very good care of it, and if you do want that book back after I make some copies and things, I will be happy to send it back. So in your next communication with me, uh, let me know if you want the book back or not. If not, I will keep it in my library. But thank you for sending me the Victory Garden book. But also there were some clippings that the government is now starting to look into the disappearing insects. So they know what's happening. They're trying to find out what chemicals are actually killing the insects. And me being myself, being cynical, I think they want to know how effective it is so they can turn up the notch a little bit so they can kill even more. I don't think that they're concerned about the insects at all. I think they're just interested in the kill rate and how effective they are. If you haven't figured it out by now, the whole world system, that's every government on the face of this earth, is satanic right now. Every government has just no good plans for you or any of God's creation. And so don't think that there's an entity in the government that you can go to that's going to be there for you, that they're your friend. Remember, Ronald Reagan said years ago that the worst thing that can happen to you is have someone come up and say, Hello, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Do you remember Ronald Reagan saying that? Well, it's even more true today. If you have a government agency or any of these agencies that are that work with the government, like the Red Cross and other agencies that are real well known, the Center for Disease Control and the World Health Organization, all these people are corrupt, and none of these people have your best interests at heart. Now, I know a lot of people love the Red Cross, and they, do and they donate to the Red Cross, and the Red Cross has done some very wonderful things. But, if you look at the amount of money that they take in, and then compare that with the amount of money they actually spend helping people with emergencies, well, you know that it's a racket, because there's an awful lot of administrative money that is taken from the donations that people send in out of the goodness of their heart, and only pennies of each dollar goes to actual disaster relief, which I think is criminal. But that's another story. So I really think that preparedness is the key, and I really think that giving up on having anyone come help you is going to actually help you in the long run, because you won't be sitting there waiting wasting valuable time and energy and just the entire package of how you sit and wait for someone to come help you. That just kind of puts you in neutral and you're actually not functioning. If by chance I'm wrong and your community has a very good disaster relief type of a system and you have first responders that are going to respond, and well, that's great. That's just back up to what you have done for yourself to fend for yourself. But to wait for the first responders and all these people that will definitely be overwhelmed in a crisis. 
And another thing I want to say about the first responders and the people that do risk their life every day, well, God bless them for doing that, but there's only so many of those, and they're just such a small group of people that if you have a town of 50,000 or 100,000 and all of them are dialing 911 at the same time, well, the first responders can just do what they can do, and they can do no more. But every citizen that is well-informed and well-prepared and does not need to call 911 just frees up the first responders to go to households that actually need their assistance, like people who are handicapped, maybe bedridden or in wheelchairs or have small children. So you're actually helping your community by being prepared for your own safety. Making sure that you're not a statistic or making sure that you're not one of the needy ones is very important in helping our first responders do their job. And I'm not trying to disparage first responders whatsoever. I just know that there's not enough of them. If we have a nuclear strike or a tornado that comes in and just tears a whole town apart, if we have a horrible earthquake like the one that hit San Francisco several decades back, there just isn't enough first responders, hospitals, and ambulances in that whole neighborhood to take care of everybody. And again, if you sit back and wait for field hospitals and people that come in from emergency management, and remember the people in emergency management, they're dealing in numbers and statistics. They're not really dealing in one-on-one -on -one people. Ultimately, they are dealing with people, but all of their decisions are made statistically. And a good example, and I'm not sure if this is absolutely true or not, but I would imagine that it would be the mindset of an emergency management person to allocate more resources to younger people and young families than they would elderly people like would be in a nursing home. So anyway, make sure that you're prepared. Make sure that the spirit of Nero that is captured all of our world leaders and all of our local and state politicians, all these elitists that have their best interest in mind and not yours, you just have to bypass these people. Make sure you're prepared. Make sure that you can take care of yourself in any situation. And after you get done preparing for the natural disasters that are most likely to happen in your area, I still think you need to be preparing for the big one, which is nuclear war. Because as I record this program, Russia, in the middle of the night, in Moscow, is moving nuclear weapons on the streets. I don't know why. And I don't know about this airplane crash or shoot-down or whatever it is of Pergosian and the rest of the Wagner higher-ups that were with him in the plane. But I do know that the investigation team that's going to go through the rubble, they will find out what happened to that plane. And if it was brought down by someone in the West, a NATO country, or any of these other countries that are anti-Russia, I think you're going to see a very, very strong response from Russia that's not going to be very pleasant for those on the receiving end. And I know that the United States would like nothing more than to pit Russians against themselves and have them have a revolution and topple their government. Well, to that, I've got to say this. 
Our government is totally delusional, and they're so used to dealing with third world banana republics, and of course that's what we are right now. The United States is nothing but a third world banana republic. All you have to do is look at our elections and look at how our inner cities and just look at us. Look at us hard. Look at us close. We're not what we used to be. We're not even a shadow of what we used to be. But our government thinks they can foment a revolution in the largest country in the world as far as landmass. A proud people that has always stood up to adversity. A proud people that have went through the revolution of having the Bolsheviks take over and turn that country communist. And they had to fight for years to throw the communists off. And they've done that. But if the United States thinks that they are going to have Putin be toppled in a revolution like they could foment in some small little country, they're absolutely delusional. Because Russia has the means, they have the intelligence all set up as far as their spies and their organizations like their KGB. It's not a KGB anymore. That's the old name under the Soviets. But they still have all their apparatus all fully intact and operating at an extreme high level. And so if you have a country that's going in and trying to foment a revolution against Putin, well, Putin's going to know what country and what they're doing, how they're doing it. And there is going to be a price to pay. You might say, well, Russia hasn't done anything yet. They're a paper tiger. No, they're not a paper tiger at all. They're just biding their time. I think that when the time is right, Russia is going to strike and strike so big and so hard and so ferocious that the world is not going to know what hit it. Kind of like a rattlesnake that coils itself up and shakes its tail. After a while you say, huh, the snake's not going to do anything. It's just sitting there rattling. It's just coiled up and rattling, staring at me, so it's not going to do anything. Well, then all of a sudden, the snake will strike. And if you're within distance, you're going to get bit. And Russia's been rattling her tail for almost two years now in a coiled position. And I think they're waiting patiently for all of the countries that are against them to finally out themselves. And so Russia is doling out the rope that the world is going to hang itself on. That's my opinion, but I do really think I'm right. And on the second half of the show, I'll pick up where I left off. I really need to know who's listening and where you're listening from, whether it's by shortwave or podcast or on AM or FM radio. Even if you just pop me an email and say hi, I would appreciate it. And as always, I invite listeners, give me some suggestions of topics that they'd like to hear me cover. I would really appreciate that. Once again, my email address is jim at offgridliving.faith. Please visit the website, and the website is offgridliving.faith. And also, you can find links to even more information. Welcome back to part two of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. This is Jim Calhoun, and I really do appreciate you tuning in today. Well, for the last several days, we've had a few military helicopters coming through flying almost at treetop levels, so I don't know what that's about. But I do know that definitely the world is shook up. 
If we knew what was going on behind the scenes, I think we'd be terrified. But I don't think we should live in a spirit of fear. I think we should live in a spirit of hope. I think that we should live in a spirit of strength. And we should understand that our health, welfare, and safety depends on ourselves. I do think you should be actively praying for God's protection and praying that you stay in God's will. Pray for wisdom and discernment. Pray for guidance. Because as a believer, you have the greatest resource anywhere. You have Almighty God, your Heavenly Father who loves you very much. And so don't live in a spirit of fear. And shows like mine do tend to get pretty dark at times. But that's because I'm just trying to wake people up to the fact that things are extremely serious. And I do think things are as bad now or worse than in the 1930s that preceded World War II. I think one of the things that has kept this war from going totally kinetic, totally World War III, is the fact that there are nuclear weapons involved and I don't think any country really wants to use them. But I think several countries are deciding that since they have nuclear weapons, they will use them. And so they're walking into this with both eyes wide open, but they shouldn't be walking into it at all. Why is Russia in Ukraine? Because Ukraine was killing ethnic Russians in the Donbass region. That's one of the reasons Russia really hasn't pushed to conquer all of Ukraine. They're just kind of staying pretty static in the Donbass because that's who they were trying to protect. But also Russia is fighting a war of attrition because they know they can win that over any country on earth. And if the war takes a hundred years or a thousand years to complete, Russia will stand steadfast while the other nations will eventually falter. We have to take in consideration that Russia has been westernized just to the point where they could see the decay starting to set in. And so Russia put on the brakes. And when all of these corporations said they were going to punish Russia and pull their businesses, like their restaurants and things like that, McDonald's and several others pulled out of Russia, that actually helps Russia. That just gets that Western influence out of their country. And I don't think they're ever going to let it back in. They're outlawing transgenderism and, and GMO foods and a lot of the things that are happening in the West that are not good. Russia is standing against very fervently. But where our young people have been totally brainwashed and totally corrupted, Russia's young people are probably only about half as woke or half as brainwashed, or maybe not even half. I have a feeling that in Russia, the young women are still young women, and the young men are still young men, as it is in most of the civilized world. As a matter of fact, the people in Africa can't even comprehend a man that thinks he's a woman. They think it's funny. They can't comprehend anyone really believing that. And so is our society as is all of the Western societies, crash and burn and turn into corrupt cesspools of social experiments that will fail. Because no matter how much you try to yell and scream that men can have babies, men can't have babies. 
that no matter how much you yell and scream that chromosomes don't matter, sorry, they do. These same people that scream follow the science deny that there's a chromosome difference between males and females. So our system is so broken. And I imagine that Russia's is broken to a point, but not near as broken as ours. And I think Russia can just simply wait out for decades if they have to and just watch as the Western nations kind of bleed out socially to where they just turn into shells of themselves to where they don't have any power or any influence. The United States had power and influence because we manufactured some of the greatest products ever to be manufactured. We had a work ethic like no other country. We had the American dream. We had Americans striving to be the best they could be. No more. None of that's true. You have some Americans that still strive to be the best they can be, but not as a whole. You have some manufacturing going on here, but not very much. With Nixon's trip to China back in the 1970s when he opened up China, and the reason he did that was for slave labor and cheap labor for his buddies in big business. And you wonder where big box stores all of a sudden came out of. They came out of nowhere. They came out of nowhere selling goods from China made by slave labor. And so we had good American companies that were here for generations like Woolworths and some of these other five-and-dime stores that were around for a long time. And, of course, Sears and some of the larger chains predominantly sold goods from the worldwide. They sold Chinese goods as well, but they also sold goods made in the United States. And if anyone wonders why all of the old businesses shuttered themselves while the new big box stores came in and take over, came in and took over so quickly, it's because of the slave labor that they got from China and are still getting. If anyone thinks the United States is going to make a comeback, there's no way we can make a comeback on an uneven playing field. If you have business A able to buy something to sell for a dollar, that business B is not going to use slave labor, going to buy, let's say, an American-made product, he's going to have to sell it for $5, where the box store is selling it for $1. Well, the consumer is going to look at the one selling it for $5 and say, how greedy. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go pay a buck. I'm going to go pay a dollar at the big box store. I'm not going to go support this guy with his $5 product. And that just feeds upon itself, and then all of a sudden our manufacturing shrinks even more. And I hear a lot of people talk like it's World War II. Just wait till we got on a wartime economy. We're going to gear up, and we're going to make all these weapons, and we're going to make these tanks and these airplanes. And Do you realize that we don't make very much in this country anymore? You know how hard it's going to be to open factories in this country with all the regulations? And also, where are they going to get the skilled labor? Drive through any town. Drive through any town or go to any restaurant or any place where there's people. And look around and ask yourself, who in this group of people can be a successful workforce in a military factory? We have so many people that are just living off the government. That's all they do. We have so many people that are on disability or on welfare. We have so many people that are unskilled. 
We have so many people that have graduated from high school that still can't sign their own name or read a book. And again, that was all done by design so they could tear this great country down. I don't know when this Build Back Better thing really started, but it didn't start with illegitimate Joe Biden. It started long time ago. And how I'm tying that into this show is you have to survive, I have to survive. Or people like us have to survive, not because we're so special or so smart or so good. It's because it's going to be the rugged individualist is going to be needed beyond belief. Rugged individualism is going to be so needed to rebuild. Because we're going to have to rebuild what these people tear down that they're going to build back better. We have to stop them from building back better, because building back better to them means no gasoline engines, it means 15-minute cities, it means you can't take an airline trip but maybe once every three years, that you can't leave your county, you can't own a car. That's how these people are going to build back better. But I got news for these people in the West that think that they're going to get away with this build back better. You have countries that have been trying desperately for generations to pull themselves up and make themselves equal as far as economically and standard of living. They wanted to be equal with all the Western countries. And you're not going to tell Chinese, and you're not going to tell the Chinese government that their people can't have cars. China's not going to do that. India is not going to do that. Russia is not going to do that. South America is not going to do that. Africa is not going to do that. So you might have the United States, Europe, and Australia, New Zealand, Canada. You might have that group of countries that actively implode and force their citizens into 15-minute cities and not having any cars and so forth and so on, while the rest of the world is going to march on. They're going to leave us in the dust. And then all of a sudden, you're going to see these countries that left us in the dust come in and just buy us like pennies on the dollar. We're going to be in the bargain bin. That's where the United States is going to be. It's where Europe is going to be very soon. As a matter of fact, I see a time within my lifetime, I think we're going to see the maps of Europe drastically change. I think we're going to see changes in Eastern Europe. I think we're going to have some small countries that are just going to go away. I think that we're going to see changes in France, in England, and all over. I think the map is going to be changing. I don't know if we, the people, can right this ship with anything short of a revolution. But if it is a revolution, it's going to be a worldwide revolution. And it's going to be the world against the New World Order people. And it's going to get ugly just like the Ukraine war is now getting very ugly, and there's so many things happening behind the scenes, well, that's going to be that way worldwide. It's going to be really, really tough. And another recent example of you better prepare is the tropical storm hurricane that hit California. The day before it hit, they had a run on the banks, they had a run on the grocery stores, and the dry goods stores, and the gas stations, you had empty shelves, and you had gas stations running out of gas. Nobody was preparing until the day before it hit. 
And if we have a nuclear disaster worldwide, can you imagine the panic and the panic buying? There's not going to be anything on any shelf in any store in the world. It's going to be picked clean. And then there are going to be people that didn't get any at all that are going to riot. They're going to go to the warehouse. They're going to tear it down. They're going to burn it down. They're going to do whatever they can to get in. There's going to come a time where our supply route and supply system is going to be totally destroyed. There's going to come a time where just the simplest little thing that you just took for granted your whole life that you could get anywhere, you're not going to be able to even find it. And I've never really talked about the prospect of rationing, but I think I need to start bringing it up. All it's going to take is an executive order or a decree of some sort from a corrupt politician. Then all of a sudden, we're going to have things disappear off the shelf, going to be rationed or just made illegal. Like India has made it illegal to export rice. And I know why they did that, is to feed their own people. But the farmers in India that counted on exporting rice for a living, well, they're just out of luck. The same thing is going to be true for all the people that count on whatever's going to be rationed. Maybe they're a manufacturer, and they count on X amount of a raw product that they can get into their factory so they can keep their manufacturing going. What if the things that they need to function, get rationed. All of a sudden, they're laying off their employees and possibly just closing down. Same thing's going to happen with food and dry goods and everything else. If you think the run on toilet paper that happened back in 2020 was bad, you haven't seen anything yet. So we really have to take into account everything that could possibly happen, anything that we could possibly need, and I know that right now is really a tough time for money. I'm hearing from listeners on a regular basis that are very financially strapped. And that's really too bad that we have this economy that's really tanking. But even though we have people that are financially strapped, I've been getting some really good donations in for the geeseys. They're the people that had the fire in Washington State that I'm doing a fundraiser for. And thank you to those who have donated. I know several people have donated that really don't have the money to donate, but they wanted to give from the bottom of their heart, and so they did. And so thank you to those who have given to the Geeseys. And I'm going to mention right now the address is Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143 and make sure that you mark your check or money order or your cash put a note in there what it's for make sure you designate it for the fire relief fund or for the fundraiser and I really do appreciate that but getting back to the economy I know there are people that would give a lot more if they could but we all have to really watch our money and it seems that I can't even go to town without spending a couple hundred dollars. And I've never operated that way, and I'm still not really buying anything. It's just day-to-day -day things I need to harvest my hay, just gasoline and oil, and just simple things that I'm used to putting out maybe 35 to $50 a day. 
is now easily 100 to 200 a day. And anyone that knows my finances knows that that's really, really tough for me to put out that kind of money. And it's only by the grace of God that I'm able to continue with my haying this year because, because I have so much hay, so much material, and, al- and also so many acres. But my income that funds my operation has not came up at all. And so I have to really scrimp. Now, if I was selling the hay, it would be different. I could sell enough hay to fund my operation, but unfortunately, I'm feeding my hay to my cows, or else I couldn't afford to have cows, because I couldn't afford the hay. And so I do understand this hand-to-mouth, day-by-day existence. Unfortunately, I do understand. And that hand-to-mouth, day-by-day existence really hampers our efforts to prepare. That's why I've been talking about foraging as much as I talk about on this show, is that there are ways to fill your pantry without lessening the money in your pocket. So I want to touch real quick on going out and harvesting some of the natural foods that God has given us. Right now the goldenrods are in bloom, and the leaves and also the flowers are very good for a spice, and goldenrods grow almost everywhere. But you can make a nice tea out of the goldenrod. And traditionally, it's called Blue Mountain Tea. I don't know why. don't know the history of the Blue Mountain name on that. But it supposedly has some medicinal uses and also, and some people like the taste. So next time you're out for a nature walk, you might want to pull a bag full of goldenrod leaves and some of the golden flowers and take them home and make yourself a nice tea and have some Blue Mountain Tea. And one thing I think you need to do, regardless of whether you ever harvest this or not, is locate where there's a good supply of cattails. Most places have some lowlands and some marshy places that have cattails. And if everything should go really far south this winter, and you're out of food, and the grocery stores are picked clean, and you're hungry, you can always go get some roots, even in the dead of winter, off of cattails. You can dry the roots, and there are several different methods that you can make flour out of cattail roots, and you can make pancakes or bread or anything with this flour. And I have to say that cattail flour is delicious. It's it's much better tasting than any flour that I've ever tasted. The only drawback is it takes quite a few cattails to get any amount of flour, so if you have to harvest some cattails, make a day out of it and go out and get as many as you can. And if you don't plan on ever harvesting cattails, well, do yourself a favor. Go online and watch a few videos on how to harvest and make the flour out of cattails. Go ahead and train yourself. I don't have enough time today to go into all the details, but just research it out and find out how to make the cattail flour. And one other foraging idea is that it is very possible to make flour and bread out of inner tree bark off of several species of trees. And so you might want to locate some of those trees in your area. You don't have to go harvest them or touch the tree in any way, shape, or form. But if you know where the cattails are, if you know where those trees, the trees that you can make bread out of the inner bark, Just simply knowing where they're at 
and also having the knowledge that you are possibly the only person in your neighborhood that knows that it's a food source. I think it's really time for us to not perish because we have lack of knowledge, such as the Bible says, my people perish because they have lack of knowledge. Well, one of the things that we perish from is hunger. And so I want each and every one of you to have a vast knowledge of what you can forage and what's edible. Whether you ever eat it or not, that's immaterial. You need to know that it's edible and you need to know where it's growing. That way, in an emergency, you have a food source. Now, the reason I mentioned the tree bark and also the cattails is that's something you can harvest all winter. Whereas the vast majority of foraging season is now behind us. We still have some you can forage. There's still some dandelions and things out there, but this time of year they don't taste as well and they don't have the nutritional value. But it's still food to put in your pantry. Well, I hope the right people heard this show today. And thanks again for those who donated to the Geesey Fire Fund, Fire Relief Fund. I do appreciate it. And I would ask that you support this program. I know donations are down. And I know they're down because of the economy. I get quite a few letters of people that tell me that they don't have enough money to donate, but they like the show and they take the time to write me a letter or an email and they explain their circumstances. And and I have to say this, you have to keep the home fires burning first. But if your home fires are burning and you have an extra dollar or two, it would really help me get the word out. I would love to expand this program. I have I have some other possibilities that are opening up to take this program even more places. And I do know that this program is helping people because I get a whole lot of emails and letters and cards that tell me how much the show is helping them. And I really do appreciate all of you listening, and I appreciate all who donate. I take checks and money orders. You'd write the check out to Thunderbolt West Media, and you would mail to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, Hershey, Nebraska, and the zip code is 69143. Again, thanks for listening, and until next time, everyone, be safe, be hopeful. Stay in prayer. Keep that powder dry. But most important of all, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.